0: I think Clay and Charles Spurgeon are probably right that the, the pa- prayer is probably the best thing that you can give uh, your pastor. But I do accept gift cards as well. Um, this is our last sermon on uh, this series with God's names. Uh, we haven't even. We haven't covered all the names. We haven't even covered half the names. Uh, there's no one name that can fully uh, describe God to us. But um, I will say that if I had to pick a, a favorite name, um, Emmanuel uh, is my favorite name. Uh, may bring uh, Christmas uh, to mind for you and, and for good reason. But I also think that this name, Emmanuel, uh, it, it, it really does capture uh, the whole... Uh, story of Scripture and God's heart uh, toward His people. So uh, if you've got your Bible, you can turn with me uh, to Matthew uh, chapter 1. If you don't have it, um, we do have the passage printed for you there in the bulletin. Uh, Let's give our attention uh, to the reading of God's Word. This is Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 uh, through 25. Now the birth of Jesus Christ took place in this way. Uh, for your word, we thank you for this name, Emmanuel. And uh, we pray now that you would bless your word to our hearts. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Um, <clears throat> early on in my marriage, uh, probably in the first uh, year or two, I know that we still lived in Winterville. Um, I went to pick up dinner uh, for Nan and I. It was just the two of us. We didn't have kids yet. Um, my memory is that she wanted Wendy's. And while I was driving, uh, I saw the Arby's sign and thought I might want some Arby's. I, I got what she wanted from, from Wendy's, and then I got myself something from Arby's. Uh, no harm, no foul, so I thought. And uh, when I came home, Nan, uh, she was not uh, very pleased uh, with my decision, and she, she surprised me. She actually started to cry and she said, "It's like we're not even eating together." <laughs> I've told that story a bunch of times since then, and we and she and I can definitely laugh about it. It wasn't funny at the time, but we we've laughed about it um, many times. But she was onto something—something um, something that's real—that um, that physical proximity. Uh, It's not the same as really being uh, with someone. Um, Most couples here have probably had the experience of getting in a rut of watching TV but feeling like you haven't really spent any time together, right? You can come to church and miss out on being with God. Uh, Just like these other names that we've looked at, Emmanuel, uh, it's not just a a label, uh, but it tells us who God is. It tells us about his character. Um, It is just very literally uh, the Hebrew words for with us and God squeezed together. And so uh, the first thing that I want us to see is that Emmanuel can be understood as God's intention or his desire. Uh, He is a God who wants uh, to be with his people. And so many people have called this the Emmanuel uh, principle. Uh, in the passage that we read uh, in verse 2, an angel uh, speaks to Mary's fiance Joseph, in a dream and calls Joseph uh, the son of David. Uh, Matthew is reminding us uh, that Jesus' earthly father is in the Davidic line. Uh, that means Jesus was uh, legally uh, Davidic. And then it may not seem especially important. Um, But this passage, it it, it comes after a genealogy. Uh, That's what the first 17 verses of Matthew are. Um, The book begins in verse 1 by calling Jesus Christ, son of David. And then uh, throughout the gospel, what Matthew wants us to know is that Jesus is uh, the Messiah. He is the long-awaited Davidic king who would come and build a house or a household Uh, For God. So as we look through this family tree, it it has some big names in it. Um, Abraham and and David uh, stand out in particular. But if you were to read through that genealogy, uh, you would find uh, perhaps some surprises. Uh, There's more than one Gentile in the list, Uh, there are several uh, notorious sinners in the list. And even if you are very familiar with the scriptures, there's probably several names that you just don't recognize because they come from Israel's exile uh, in Babylon. And part of what we see here is it's not just that God's providence continues uh, through difficult circumstances, although that's true. It's that God's commitment and his desire to be with his people, it will not be thwarted. In fact, Gentiles and sinners and exile, uh, these are not setbacks. They are, they are part of the plan. God or Jesus came to be with these people. And it's always been true. It's always been true. Ever since the fall, uh, the question was not, well, well, what can man do to get back into the garden presence? The question is how will God fulfill his desire to dwell with man? So this this might be obvious, uh, but I think it's important to say we need to remember it wasn't Israel who wanted to be with God. God wanted to be with his people. It's God who says, let me make a sanctuary that I may dwell uh, with them. This is his idea. And so in Romans, uh, Paul will say that Christ died uh, for the ungodly. Uh, he came while we were still sinners and we're reconciled to him while we're his enemies. Uh, the waves of history have not worn down God's desire. Uh, it has never stopped. It won't be stopped by ethnicity, It won't be stopped by profound moral failure. And even when it looked like everything was lost, that's when Christ, he came into the world. God controls history. Uh, It's a history whose purpose and driving principle is Emmanuel. Uh, Last year, uh, none of you knew that the world was going to get turned upside down. Uh, by a virus. Uh, think of all that you don't know about the future, about what next year might hold, or next week. But Emmanuel, he rules history, and he will be—he will be with his people, uh, in spite of obstinacy, in spite of our weaknesses. Uh, his desire. Uh, It has not changed, uh, and his plan marches on. And so Emmanuel is a a principle. We can also uh, see that it, in an obvious way, refers to the incarnation. That's especially true uh, here in Matthew, that God uh, took on human nature uh, to live with us and live for us. And so Emmanuel is also a person. Uh, He's the son of God, Jesus Christ. He's the realization of the principle. His life and his work and even his own body reflect God's uh, desire to dwell with us. I once listened to uh, a lecture uh, by a theologian named Richard Gaffin. Uh, He's one of my, not that that matters to you, but he's one of my favorite uh, theologians. And as I listened, I realized he he was quoting uh, from memory and discussing in detail uh, several different passages from the Greek uh, New Testament. And I thought, wow, that's pretty impressive. Like, he, he's not Greek. He's from Philadelphia. <laughs> um, but maybe, you know, if I studied Greek a little more, maybe, I, maybe I'd be able to do something like that, right? But then in the Q&A, someone asked him a question, and he sort of paused, and you could sort of sense he's, he's scrolling And he said something like, well, you know, in volume three of Turretin on page 276, and then it's like he started reading, like from his mind. (laughs) He's not just a little bit smarter than me, (laughs) right? He's like on, he's on this other uh, totally different plane that I I can't even get my mind around. Well, Jesus, in one sense, he, he is the most human person who has ever Lived, And in another sense, we just need to remember, he is not an ordinary person. Uh, Verse 18 uh, says that his mother was with child from the Holy Spirit. And if that's too vague, uh, verse 20 says that uh, he was conceived, or we could say uh, begotten or fathered from the Holy Spirit. Now, if you've been a Christian for some time, uh, this... May start to lose um, its shock value, but it's supposed to be staggering. Uh, many, uh, many women in scripture uh, struggle uh, with fertility uh, to see God uh, come through and, and bless them uh, with children, but not like this. Uh, this is supposed to sound uh, impossible, uh, it's supposed to sound like Genesis. Uh, a creation uh, out of nothing. And so Jesus' own uh, very beginning, his conception uh, reminds us that this is a promise that only God could keep. Uh, The incarnation brought God's desires uh, into fleshly form. Uh, Jesus was God physically with us. And so he's not just a little uh, bit different. Um, This person is both God and man. Um, But I I wonder if you noticed that Matthew's highlighting this other name uh, in verse 22. Uh, He's called Emmanuel in verse 23, but verse 22 uh, says, You shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Uh, This name also uh, reflects his his purpose. Uh, Jesus is a kind of form of the word uh, Joshua, which means Uh, Either Yahweh saves or Yahweh is uh, salvation. And so Jesus was to be a savior, not not from Roman occupation, but from the slavery and penalty of sin. And the the language here is is very uh, emphatic. It means something like he himself and no one else will save them. Uh, This person, Jesus, he came to do what only God could do. So then Why does the angel use a different name? Uh, You shall call his name Jesus. It's it's repeated at the end, and Joseph did, just as uh, the angel commanded. But then in the prophecy from Isaiah, we're told the child will be called uh, Emmanuel, not Jesus. Well, I think these names, uh, they define each other, okay? So that God's saving just is God dwelling uh, with his people. Or to say it another way, um, to dwell with God is salvation. You see, we can talk about what we're saved uh, from. Uh, we're saved from uh, sin and death, but that's only uh, the negative side of the equation. We are saved to something. We're saved unto a relationship with God in Christ so that we're not only uh, declared uh, not guilty, our salvation is about Fellowship with God, Uh, Emmanuel. uh, This person, uh, Jesus, He saves us by being with us and by bringing us to God. You see, we get to know Him, and to know Him is to love Him. So I don't want you to hear what I'm what I'm not saying. Uh, I'm not saying. Uh, Well, you need to know more about God. Uh, What I'm saying is that by faith in Christ, you get to know God. You get to know uh, the one who made you and cares for you. Uh, Christianity is not a, a new set of rules, but about learning what you're really for. You see, you're saved for something. The point is salvation is, it's bigger than just you as an individual. It means that you belong to something. Um, you don't just have a purpose, but there is this purpose. It's bigger uh, than you and the 80 years or so that you have here on earth, and you get to be a part of it. And so trusting in Jesus, trusting in the one who, who lived and died for sinners because he loves them, it is, it's the most reasonable thing you could do, and it makes so much more sense than trusting yourself. Uh, We're we're to fix our eyes and our hearts and our hope on him. Our salvation's in him alone. So Emmanuel's a, it's a principle, it's also a person. We can also understand Emmanuel as a promise. Uh, In the age of the Spirit, God truly uh, dwells, not just With us, but in us. And we need to know that God uh, is with us, right? If we we stop at the incarnation, we miss uh, the importance of this name um, in the present, um, in our lives right now. Um, So at the end of Matthew's gospel, in chapter 28, Jesus gives uh, what is commonly called the the Great Commission. You're probably familiar with it. Uh, This is after his resurrection. He tells his disciples All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. And tells them to go into the world, uh, to baptize the nations, to teach them everything that he's commanded them. And the last thing he says is, Behold, I am with you to the end of the age. And so before he ascends into heaven, ostensibly away from them, he makes a promise that he is still with them. And he's with us. And so at Pentecost, Jesus pours his spirit out on the church. And Paul calls the Holy Spirit the spirit of Christ. And that by faith, that spirit, it dwells in Christians. You believe that? If your faith is in Jesus, his spirit is in you. That's the same spirit. It enables us to cry out, Abba, Father, that is to address God in the same way and with the same words and with the same expectations that Jesus had of God on earth. That same spirit promises to bear fruit, love, joy, peace, patience. I heard one pastor say, when when someone tells you he'll be there in spirit, well, that means he's not coming. (laughs) but every mention of the Spirit in the New Testament is a comment on Christ's ongoing work and presence in the lives of His people, the fulfillment of God's promise uh, to be with them, that by faith, He is really with you. Jesus is with you. I have a niece I have have a lot of nieces, but I have have one niece who is about four years old now, and she can be a little bit uh, clingy, uh, especially in in a new place, you know, a new kind of situation, new people around. And if she's nervous, sometimes she'll say, Mom, can I smell you? Now, keep in mind, she's already in her mother's arms, right, when she says that. What she's looking for is just any kind of reassurance that her mom is really there and that she's with her. Isn't that what you feel like? I've already mentioned that you can be at church uh, and miss out on on being with God. Well, it's not because he's not present. Uh, If you are in Christ... He is with you. In fact, apart from Christ, there's nothing you can do to get him uh, to be with you. It is only uh, by faith in Jesus. But if you are in Christ, he is not only with you, he dwells in you by his spirit. He is uh, Emmanuel. And so sometimes, uh, sometimes we're just nervous about a new situation. We don't know what we're supposed to say about uh, Jesus when we talk with our neighbor maybe. Or maybe you're just uh, totally against the wall in your marriage and no one seems to know how to help you. And you just need to be reminded that God is with you. And he is not just cheering you on uh, from a distance. He's really and truly with you. And so this is why we pray. Uh, this is why we worship uh, every single week. This is why the Lord's Supper is so important, um, and I don't, I don't mean to be irreverent here, uh, but we need to smell him. Uh, we need to know he's really there, uh, that God uh, Almighty, uh, the God who sees everything, the God who is everlasting, who's the great I am, and who is our Father, uh, he's with us in Christ uh, by the Spirit. When you start to get your arms around those truths that you know you're really surrounded by and even indwelt by the very presence of God, you get the most profound uh, security and comfort. And so you you don't have to be hard on yourself. You see, God knows the real you already, and he's with you. You don't have to worry about tomorrow or, or this long uh, list of things that are so far outside of your control because history belongs uh, to Emmanuel and because, because you have him and you have everything. That means you are free uh, to live uh, for him and for others. Uh, you can afford it. And I even, think, I even think you begin to get a kind of godly uh, courage Uh, There's a kind of courage to to obey uh, no matter what the cost or the consequences because God's with me. A courage to live without any fear of what other people might think or what they might do and to to risk looking foolish or being misunderstood or, or, or being unliked. All to love God and to love your neighbors because Christ has promised to be with us until the end of the age. And well, what happens then? Well, it's not when he stops being with us. That is when faith turns to sight. So John can say in Revelation 21, behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people and God himself will be with them as their God. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much uh, that you are Emmanuel. We pray that you would help us uh, to believe that, uh, to embrace it and to lean into it, to really uh, live like it's true. We pray that your spirit would be working in our hearts to conform us uh, into your son, to trust you uh, more and more until the days when we see him with our own eyes. And we pray this in his name. Amen.